Hello and welcome to another episode of Drill to Detail and I'm your host Mark Rittman. So I'm very pleased to be joined today by Shinji Kim, founder and CEO of Select Star. So welcome to the show, Shinji, and it's great to have you join us. Thanks, Mark. Great to be here. So Shinji, maybe to start with um, uh, your role at Select Star and what does Select Star do? Sure. So I'm the founder and CEO of Select Star. We are an automated data discovery platform that helps everyone to find and understand their own data in the organization. Before we get into, the, I suppose, the detail of, of Select Star and what you do and, and, the, and the way it works with the modern data stack and so on, let's maybe start with a little bit about you. So, um, so I think you worked at Akamai, first of all, um, and then Concord Systems. Is that correct? And, and maybe just tell us your route really into, into the industry and, and how you got to be founder of uh, SelectStar. Sure. Um, so SelectStar is my second company in the data space. Uh, the first company I started was called Concord Systems back in 2014, where um, I was working at a mobile ad network. Uh, we were growing very fast. And we were dealing with a lot of um, events data. Uh, we spun out a technology to uh, process uh, these events data in real time. And uh, later, Akamai uh, bought my company uh, to kick off their new strategic initiatives around IoT. And that's how I ended up at Akamai. Um, and from there, I started working with a lot of enterprise customers where uh, they had a lot of need around uh large scale real-time events processing. And I've noticed that a lot of these companies are getting now supported and also moving to the cloud to be able to collect, process, and also store a gigantic amount of data. Um, The new challenges that were starting to creep up and uh, starting to happen, though, was how the organization can actually utilize that data after the collection, processing, and storage. So um, this was a very interesting problem for me. Uh, I felt like um, as a data practitioner in the past, as a data engineer or data scientist or as a product manager, uh, when I had to use data, having a good context of data has been always uh, a key for me to make uh, better data-driven decisions. And today... Uh, so many companies and so many people within the organization, they may have access to the data warehouse uh, or access to the data repository at the same time. It's actually very hard to utilize and leverage the data that they have uh, because there are just too many and the data models con- constantly changing. So this is really where um, I was coming from uh, with Select Star. I wanted to uh, solve the problem around um, so that around data discovery so that anyone that has access to data should be able to utilize them uh, in what they need to do uh, without having to try to ask other people or, um, you know, end up stumbling upon old documentation. uh, And right now it's just like really hard to do that. um, Hard to get the true single source of truth of the data context, uh, where we are trying to automate uh, we saw like start today let's, let's get into some of those topics a bit more really in this in this conversation and we talk about discoverability you know data catalogs data lineage 
and why at the moment they're they're particularly hot topics in the in the modern data stack space. Okay, so, so maybe start with with discoverability and data catalogs. Okay, so um, so what do you mean? First of all, let's start by what do you mean by discoverability? Really, what does that mean to you? Really, and and what is that? What action is that? And why is that valuable to people? Sure. The way that we define data discovery or data discoverability is really around um, users being able to, or data consumers being able to find and understand data so that they can actually utilize data fully as it was intended. Um, Data catalog is a a more of a, um, I guess, like a feature that can help because through data catalogs, you can actually see all the metadata uh, or what is available as a data asset. Uh, whereas data discoverability, and in order to make discovery really work, um, data catalog is like one of the pieces. And I see the full data discovery uh, and data discoverability as a capability of a data um, platform that needs to be there in order for uh, data to be truly uh, utilized within an organization. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So you, you you mentioned data assets there. So so are we just talking about about tables uh, in a database, or is the, is the definition of a data asset kind of wider? I mean, what what would be within the scope really of what you consider for this kind of uh, for this problem to be solved? Yeah, a lot of data catalogs do catalog all the assets. So just like what you mentioned, that this would include like tables, dashboards, uh, but it could also include uh, assets like. Uh, documentation or pipelines, uh, diagrams, things like that related to the data models. What we also find important regarding data discovery and improving the discoverability of data is to uh, also surfacing the data uh, relationships between the assets. Um, Where was the data originated from? Are there any dependencies? Um, And where is the data actually being used? by whom, um, what type of analysis has already been done, uh, and how uh, can this data be joined, can this data be joined along with other data assets. And I think that's where uh, one of the key um, key features or key uh, aspect of discoverability, because most of the time you don't just uh, use one table or one uh, dashboard. Uh, You're going to uh, look at multiple different data assets and then try to figure out what would be the best way to slice and dice the data or create a model on on top of it. So um, I think this first getting all the assets in one place, uh, which now I would say a lot of good cloud data warehouses and lakes are built for uh, is the start and being able to have a some catalog that you can get all the metadata is definitely a start. At the same time, in order to actually have a true data discovery, you also need to have uh, a way to define and also be able to see these relationships. And this is one part that we try to uh, in, uh, detect automatically uh, by providing automated data lineage, popularity, um, ER diagrams, so on and so forth. Okay. So, so, um, 
so the way I came across Telexstar a while ago was one of our clients um, was uh, looking to do exactly what you're saying there. And the, the question came up at the time, really, uh, as to why we couldn't just do this by reading in the, the, I suppose, the information schema from, from say, Snowflake and, you know, maybe, maybe connecting to, to, to Looker and maybe connecting and, and connect and, um, bringing the repository, for example, for the, for the, uh, for the project, bringing that through from GitHub. What, why is it, why is it difficult or why is it a challenge or, or harder than you think to just do this yourself by, by connecting to each, each of those stores metadata layer and bringing it in yourself? What, what's the challenge in that? What's the hidden kind of complexity really? Uh, with a lot of traditional data catalogs or uh, many open source projects, um, where if you were to try to connect uh, all the metadata on your own, uh, this will give you a uh, baseline of having all the metadata together. But uh, the aspect around understanding the relationship between these assets uh, will be very hard. Uh, because in order to do so, you will need to also understand and, uh, you know, it, and this can come from many different ways, but um, uh, for Selectstar and many other companies, they try to uh, understand the relationships of the data uh, by parsing through SQL queries, activity logs, looking into the uh, query plan, things like that. And that uh, that stage of uh parsing and processing kind of like uh, does require a significant amount of time of R&D and effort to uh, make it really work. So I would say this is uh, yeah one of the reasons why it's hard to do this um, on your own, especially if you want to have a um, really quality uh, uh, in the data discoverability side. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what, what about the concept of, of this tribal knowledge, really, or the knowledge of the organization? I mean, so things that you can't necessarily um, um, work out from just looking at sort of uh, data dictionaries and so on, but the knowledge of the, of the team um, and, and so on, is that, is that part of also of the information that you think is important to be discoverable and be stored with, with what you're doing? Yeah, for sure. Um, there's so much we can do automatically just by looking at the queries and activities and the history. There is a lot of a business context and the semantic level context that the data model and metadata may not represent. Um, so I think that is one aspect of um, the yeah uh, context that we usually try to make it as easy as possible for our users to add as a form of documentation, defining metrics uh, or um referring to or mentioning other um, data assets so that there is a linkage between uh, multiple assets within the same environment. I would say this is an area that, uh, so like like true data discoverability, I think really happens from both automation side as well as uh, contribution of data producers and consumers uh, utilizing the data. So the, this, is, this is a space where, Selectstar aren't the only solution, I suppose. And there's been other attempts before Selectstar to try and do what you're talking about. So what what when you came to look at this as an opportunity, what were the what this what were the solutions that you saw on the market or the approaches you saw on the market that were there? And why did you think that they weren't enough? And what is the unique innovation or um difference that Selectstar brought to the market, do you think? How did you solve it in a in a u- uniquely u- new and valuable way, do you think? Sure, that's a good question. 
So when I decided to start Selectstar as a company, uh, I was doing a lot of different market research, talking to uh, various sizes of the companies that had this problem around data discovery. What I found was that there are usually like three camps. Uh, first and foremost, companies that have tried uh, documenting everything in their wiki or Google spreadsheets um, uh, or some uh, shared you know, documentation. And this can be a good start, especially for smaller companies. Uh, at the same time, as companies grow and as data models change, it's very hard to keep it up to date. Um, so uh, this is one part that, you know, as companies grow out of their size, as their data teams grow, and as they have more data consumers, even outside of the data team, uh, they start looking look for more of a solution that will be integrated to their data warehouse or their um, data pipelines. Um, so when they start go out and start evaluating different tools or, uh, or uh, open source projects out there, so usually the two the the other two. Uh, options that they come across would be one, an open source project uh, like Apache Atlas or Amundsen or Data Hub, I think were kind of like the main ones uh, at the time that were also fairly, you know, new uh, at the time, but, you know, still was starting to get traction. Or you can go with a proprietary solution uh, under the category of enterprise data catalog. Uh, and these are um, tools like Alation, Calibra, um, you know, Talend. Uh, they're, they're, yeah, data catalog or enterprise data catalog has have been uh, around, I guess, since database has been around. The uh, main parts of these tools, I think, for open source, what I've uh, continuously hearing is that it's fine to start a POC, but in order for uh, the customer to actually um, use it in production and make it available for everyone. It actually does take a lot more effort to ensure that the ingestion of metadata actually happens regularly and, uh, you know, without much trouble. So there's there's a maintenance effort on the engineering side that needs to go in. And then in order for the catalog to be actually used by the data team. Um, it also requires a lot of handholding because a lot of the open source projects are really built by developers for other developers. Um, so there are not as many like use, uh, user or less technical user-friendly uh, features built in. Um, that's uh, kind of hard for adoption purposes. And if users don't adopt the solution, then um, your uh, discovery platform is going to get outdated also very quickly. Um, on the enterprise data catalog side, um, I've just number of talked to a number of customers that have either did a POC or have you know signed like a, a year or two of these tools uh, that ended up just not being really adopted inside the company first and foremost because integration time just takes a long time like about six to nine months minimum uh, they need to generally have like a dedicated data governance team or some data stewards uh, and then getting it to be really useful within uh, the organization uh, takes another yeah, set of time so um, I think 
all of those hearing a lot of these from uh, multiple options that are that were currently in the market got me thinking that you know why isn't there a solution that is easy to use easy to get started and uh, something that's more like native to the cloud and the new modern data stack tools that are coming out in the market uh, and that's kind of like where I felt like you know, there was a like an opportunity uh, to fill the gaps, and uh, yeah, kind of how I uh, wanted to position Select Star for. Okay, interesting. So, so what's the what's the in your experience? You mentioned POCs there and 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 adoption. What's the kind of what's the aha moment really with the, with 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 your product where people kind of they when they if they do this thing they see the value in it really. What, what do you find that point is really? Yeah, so for us, a lot of our differentiation comes from what we call fast time to value. It's easy to set it up, usually within like 15 minutes or so, um, regardless of like how much data set you have. And it's also easy to see the uh, kind of like the initial value of the platform without doing a lot of manual work on top. Uh, we are not just providing a tool, we are providing a platform that brings you some insights about the data that you uh, about the data and its relationship that you didn't know about. So a lot of our customers uh, feel this aha moment about their uh, data model underneath or uh, through a lineage, um, even though they've been using, utilizing their BI tool and their data warehouse for a couple of years for them to discover that, oh, here are some dashboards that I thought, you know, I would be safe to deprecate, but here are some users that are still looking at this dashboard. Uh, and also, you know, oh, I didn't know that there are so many people still querying this raw data uh, table versus um, our gold table, uh, for example. So I think uh, these uh, uh, little insights that they get to find out uh, throughout Select Star as they navigate through uh, is really the aha moment that we bring on uh, just within their first day of trying out Select Star. And something that is, um, you know, a fairly smooth process, which uh, is, I would say, you know, even today, hard to find from a lot of other vendor solutions because they would, uh, yeah, you would have to, Wait for your POC environment to be ready if you want to test it out with your own data and um, go through like a long sales process. Okay. So, so yeah. And you mentioned data lineage there. And, and, and so when I did a POC with, with SelectStyle, there was the, the, I suppose the context was we had, um, we had, a, 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 I think Snowflake, DBT and Looker as the, as the stack. And the business problem was, um, trying to understand, uh, like you said, which for a particular dashboard, which, what were the tables and, uh, what were the sources and so on that were needed to populate that dashboard? Um, and then, and then also kind of other way around as well, sort of taking a, taking a source and saying, this source here, what objects does this enable downstream really? Um, in our, in our sort of data model and that, that linking of, linking of the kind of metadata from say dbt cloud or dbt through through kind of snowflake and through into looker that that connection there was was the bit where we kind of we, where we something you couldn't easily do um yourself using just the individual metadata stores so maybe let's talk about data lineage right and, and uh, which i think is the next you've got we've got discoverability catalogs and lineage is the is that probably the thing that draws people to this really so maybe just to outline what does data lineage mean um and why is it important for people really 
to understand the lineage of their of their of their dashboards and so on. Sure. At core, um, what data lineage really shows is how different data sets are related to each other because in during ETL or during transformation, a lot of data like will be either picked or changed uh, to create another uh, sets of data that will be more, you know, uh, will be more relevant for specific use cases. Um, so just like as an example, you may start with production database tables with like users, companies, uh, accounts, um, uh, or like transactions, whereas I will have a table that's more focused on the analysis or uh, so it could be more around like customer transactions that may have uh, joined data between customer data, uh, customer user data, as well as uh, the transactions and where the transaction happens so on and so forth. Uh, in Lineage, you will be able to see all the uh, source tables here that makes up the customer transaction table. And um, what that means is that you'll be able to understand the dependencies because customer transaction table, if it's um, out of date or something's off, uh, that's probably because one of the source table is also out of date, for example. Um, so yeah, I think that's uh, kind of like the very simple version of data lineage uh, just really gets to, uh, for, for you to understand where the data is coming from, where it's going. Um, for like the example that you gave around the uh, like Snowflake with DBT, Looker, um, everything combined together, uh, we look at data lineage as really just this end-to-end um, data flow. Where uh, was data originated? How and where is it going? Uh, where are all the places it's going and how are they arriving at different places? So. In order to compose that lineage, we look at, you know, first of and foremost, any of the um, uh, SQL queries that makes up the creation of the tables or views, um, uh, or if there are ways that the data is being uh, entered. I'm talking about like when you're doing insert, update, merge, uh, that selects other databases, uh, database uh, rows and columns. Like those will be all considered in order to generate uh, lineage and mark it as this is go- these are the ones that are sources of the tables. And on top of that, um, for something like DBT, which is more considered on the transformation layer, we will map, um, you know, which model or which part, which part of the pipeline uh, this is actually connected to by reading through also the metadata of the DBT, um, like the manifest JSON. Um, for Looker side, or and also a lot of BI tool side, we have a separate integration with the API. So we will um, first map out all the assets of those BI tools, and then we will start looking at um, how these uh, dashboards are generated. Are they coming from some LookML query? Is there a custom SQL query involved? And if we are looking at LookML, what is the model actually look like? So we have like a separate LookML parser that uh, connects the LookML models as well as um, uh, based on the uh, connection that Looker has. And this is like a very intricate, like, you know, part of the integration that we get into a lot uh, because every BI tool has their own uh, ways of treating data sets. 
So yeah, something like, you know, like Tableau, they will have a virtualized version of data sources. Um, and a lot of the dashboards are reading off from that published data sources or data extracts um, for Power BI or um, uh, like mode. Like they also have different ways of how they pull out data. Some of them are like like all live connections. Some of them have their uh, own data models uh, built in. So uh, the important part here, uh, and in order for uh, lineage to truly make sense to our end users, uh, the, the we really try to bring out the um, bring out the native models of the BI, how the BI uh, tool looks at and treats the data assets uh, into SelectStar platform rather than just say that, oh, here are the dashboards and here are the tables. Uh, we want to show what type of um, hoops or processes it goes through between the tools as well because this also gives um, not just like, you know, more uh, detailed information, but opportunities for our customers to be able to remodel, optimize, and um, make their uh, data model uh, between the data warehouse and uh, BI tools uh, better. Okay. Um, <clears throat> because one, one of the things that we, the client at the time we were working with wanted to be able to do was to understand not only, I suppose, which sources this information. You know, so, a metric on the on in Looker, for example, not not only to understand which tables and which sources and wherever this came from, but what had what how the, how the data been transformed and what had been done to it en route to actually being displayed to them. So, what had been filtered out or how it be, how how had this been calculated? Is that something that I mean? That's certainly I can see how that could be a challenge. Is that something that SelectStar can can surface or is it? Is it too hard, or what, what's your view on understanding what's been what's what's happened to the data on route as well as where's it come from? Yeah, so this is a level of detail we started surfacing out uh, since I would say second half of last year. Um, we've noticed that uh, you know beyond just metadata being mentioned within the query, we can also introspect whether this field. What is being, or this value of the data is being used as is, or was it aggregated? It's, and, you know, it's going to transactions to like total transactions, uh, column, uh, or if there were any, uh, transformation that has done, uh, and last but not least, has this field been used as a filter or, uh, actual uh, value? And those differences all, uh, you know, make a slight, uh, or those details all make a difference in the customer's eyes because they may, when they are um, deprecating a column, they don't necessarily want to see just the ones that are being used as a value, but they also would want to know if these fields are, or these values of the fields are translated into any of the uh, drop downs that act as a filter within a dashboard. Um, another way that we are also leveraging um, uh, these kind of like usage of the column during transformation is uh, by indicate by by understanding which are the as is transformation or uh, like there's no transformation done. There's we are just using the data as is, 
And in those cases, we can safely also propagate uh, documentation, like column-level documentation or column-level um, tags uh, downstream and upstream so that you, if you define your, you know, or if you have documented a one table on your uh, source table that will be trans, uh, translated and propagated all the way downstream wherever that field is being used. And um, this specific feature actually uh, increase our column documentation fill rate for our customers uh, usually two to five times uh, on average. Uh, which is pretty cool to see because nobody likes doing, you know, detailed documentation, especially on the column level all the time. Uh, whereas like with this feature, yeah, customers, uh, can document once and have them updated, uh, everywhere without having to manually find where else that can be used or applied to. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. And um, I suppose a new thing that uh, something that's, something that's new to the market recently and has, has certainly been quite an impact is this concept of metrics layers and semantic layers, like from DBT labs and from other places. Is is that, how does that fit into your thinking really? Is that something that is separate to what you're doing or can you imagine the, 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 the DBT semantic layer being part of the, the metadata you ingest as well? Oh, I wouldn't call it a competitor. We already, you know, have a lot of DBT customers that integrate their DBT docs with and uh, supporting DBT metrics and the semantic layer uh, for the DBT cloud is uh, in our plans this year. Uh, We already have a feature called metric where we allow customers to define whether it's a column or a measure from your BI tool. And we will start pulling all the, you know, suggested dimensions and dashboards that are related to that metric automatically so that you don't have to manually define them. And you can just add high-level documentation that defines what it means semantically and and what part of the business process this fits in. And so um, I'm quite excited about the... Uh, new released and also updates that DBT is making. Um, and, uh, you know, for us as a uh, more of a discovery platform, something that uh, we will integrate closely with. Okay. Okay. So, so just, I mean, to, to get to the last part, the last pillar of the, of the product really, um, sort of data governance. Um, so, um, what, what do you, what do you define or what do you, what do you think of us when we talk about data governance and, and how does it relate to the other capabilities of, uh, of SelectStar? So data governance is a fairly large word to say. Um, I, I think I used to call it more of a data management. But governance uh, also makes sense more mainly because the purpose of governance is trying to keep data in control. Um, with data democratization and modern data stack overall, um, many companies now, you know, give and you know whether they realize it or not, a lot of company, a lot of people have access to data, and. It's not about just giving the access uh, as long as it's being used correctly. But uh, now with the access and uh, you, you would want to make sure that the data is also being used correctly. People are finding the right data as well as people are utilizing it correctly and um, want to make sure that you have a good quality of data so that 
people actually trust the data that they are using. So um, I think the topic of data governance has always been around, especially for enterprises, but more for uh, data access perspective. And then it has evolved towards um, meeting compliance or privacy requirements uh, of treating sensitive data. Um, the way that we think about data governance uh, is that uh, when you are trying to, in, in, the, in today's era of modern data stack and modern organizations, how companies work and treat data, it's important to have a good understanding and have a good uh, landscape of what your data uh, warehouse, data lake, and your data tools look like and, and your models in order for you to run a effective data governance program. So that's really coming from um, for data managers or, you know, uh, directors, C-levels, or it could be the data governance team to be aware of what are the most important data sets that we uh, need to make sure it has quality checks, has the right owners, and has the up-to-date documentation. What are the data sets that um, should probably be deprecated so that it doesn't confuse the data consumers and uh, it also can you know, save a lot of cost? Who should generally be the owners of these data sets and tables? Um, and what are the kind of like, you know, defining what are the levels of sensitivity of data and uh, what will be the general process for people to get access for. Um, a lot of it, I feel like, you know, it, it's a balance between making sure that the data is in control, but then you would, you know, you have collected and stored all this data so that you can actually use it. So more people can actually use it. And I think that is the part that, um, is important, and that's where we see data discover the data discovery really come into play. Okay, okay. So, so what's next then for for Select Star? It sounds like you've got a pretty sort of solid set of features for doing discovery, cataloging, and 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 data lineage, and, and so on. What what's the what's the next thing you're trying to solve, really? And um, what do you think the next problem to be solved in the in the industry is then, really? Yeah, it's been a really exciting last couple of years building features, working with customers, scaling our platform. Um, I would say we are still, you know, it's, you know, still there's like a lot of different problems to solve. Um, where we are heading is really, you know, we have really good set up these pillars of data discovery, including like lineage, usage analytics, like popularity, um, and like access control, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, what we are planning to do, uh, you know, going forward and more longer term is to have features that are more, uh, uh, specific to the use cases that we see. So, uh, for example, like, you know, what I just discussed about data governance, um, we have all the capabilities to support that, but it's not necessarily, you know, like, you know, packaged as here is the data governance uh, for you. Uh, so these are aspects that we are starting to look into so that um, it's a lot easier 
for our customers to leverage select star for uh, specific purposes. Um, and then there are always, you know, more integrations and kind of like next level features that we are working on that leverages uh, these baseline uh, pillars as well. So, yeah, I'm very excited for this year and uh, all the releases that we have planned. Good. And you must be integrating ChatGPT into it as well. It seems everybody, everybody is trying to, <laughs> trying to put a conversational yeah, yeah. element into, yeah. their, into their product. And yeah, so it's a, yes, this, this, this month's kind of a big thing, really. Um, so so um, how do people find out more about SelectStar? How would, they, how would they read about it, trial it, and so on? Yeah, I mean, everything's at SelectStar.com. You can start a free trial, and you can also read about... Um, different white papers, blog posts, uh, different interviews uh, that we've done and the conference talks that we gave in the past from the website on their resources. And uh, if you join our newsletter, uh, we send a monthly newsletter uh, that highlights some of the things that uh, we've done over the last months, as well as like, you know, places that we will be at like different conferences or events so yeah i think that's the you know our website basically has everything we try to just make sure that you know it's all included there so that people can easily find those uh news and events coming up fantastic that's really good well shinji thank you very much for coming on the show it's been great speaking to you and uh, great talking us through um the the space in general and, and what select star are doing um so thank you very much and appreciate that. And yeah, good luck with the product going forward. And uh, thank you. Thanks, Mark, for having me on the show. And yeah, this was a great chat.